Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the AFC West Show. We're coming to you live here for week number eight of the 2015 season, October 28th, 2015. Give us a call, 646-668-8837 or on Twitter at AFC West Show. We're coming to you live here right now from our Southern California studios, and I'm joined by the other half of the AFC West Show, as always. Daryl, how are you doing tonight? I can't believe it's almost November. I'm doing well, and uh, we're on week eight of the NFL season, so almost halfway through the season, and a lot of exciting things going on. I'm ready for another weekend of good football, and uh, tomorrow night, I guess, what is that? We have the Bengals. Is it the Bengals that are playing? We got the uh, Patriots and the uh, Miami Dolphins there. So a resurgent uh, Miami team Ooh. after the firing of of uh, Philbin. And uh, and now, you know, uh, they have to deal with this uh, unbeatable uh, New England Patriot team that just continues to roll over teams. I'm totally lost. I, I was thinking it was a Bengals game, and uh, obviously I'm not caught up on that. So I got to – make sure I set my fantasy team and get things all squared away. But I am excited because I do know that we have some big games in the AFC West, including the Chargers versus the Ravens and the Broncos versus Green Bay, the fourth time uh, in the history of the NFL that two 6-0 teams have met. So that's exciting. Darren, what's on your mind right now? Well, you know, I know you're a little scatterbrained, uh, coming over from Freckles Theater there where the uh, the NFL is meeting with all of the Charger fans to discuss the future or lack thereof of this San Diego team. So that must explain your uh, your uh, forgetfulness when it comes to the games tomorrow night. But uh, all kidding aside, you know, the, the Chargers are in a fight for their life right now. And, uh, and hopefully they'll be able to uh, – Hopefully they'll be able to either work something out or uh, learn their fate and not leave the fans of San Diego in a uh, in a holding pattern for too long. The Chargers did come out last week and announce that they would be filing in January to relocate to Los Angeles. So that's the big news on that front. Uh, any any news that you have regarding the uh, Spreckles Theater event? I know that they were in in St. Louis last night, and they will be in Oakland, I believe, tomorrow night. So they're making the rounds. Yeah, I think it's pretty much just the NFL kind of checking boxes off. I don't expect much out of this. I do I do know that they streamed the um, meeting last night in St. Louis online, and, and uh, while people behaved themselves, they were obviously disappointed. And I, I expect nothing less in San Diego you know, a lot of people are asking, should we even bother going, or is this just a waste of time? And the real issue is that 
what will it what will it accomplish? Um, Mark, you know, Mark Fabiani here has has really worn out his welcome, and is very much a spin doctor. Early on in the negotiations, I get for several years, maybe even 14, 15 years, San Diego didn't do anything for the Chargers. Some of those years were tough years, especially during the economic downturn, so you got to understand that. But the other part is that the Chargers had some plans that they kind of endorsed, and they, they really weren't proactive like the Padres had been in getting their new stadium. And then in the last year and a half, the Chargers said, you know, we really don't care where the stadium is. As long as we get a new stadium, we'd be okay with that. Well, lo and behold, two weeks ago on, on the local radio show, Mark Fabiani came on and said, you know, we've never wanted a Mission Valley stadium. We've always wanted a downtown stadium. And he's on record of having said otherwise. So that obviously gave some bad blood to San Diego um, fans. And, and frankly, I think that's pretty indicative of where the charges are at. It would not surprise me if they leave. And furthermore, I, I think that it's just it's business for them, but unfortunately for the fan base, it's not business. It's a love. It's like breaking up with a girlfriend or divorcing your wife. It's a big deal. And the Chargers, I get the allure of the money in, in L.A., but, man, it's going to be heartbreak here if it doesn't work out. So we'll see what happens. Still would like to see San Diego stay in San Diego. It's up in the air, Darren. We'll find out. You know, uh, and that, as you said, the one constant through 14 years of negotiation has been Mark Fabiani, and uh, and uh, it's, for the most part, it's been a, a a black spot when it comes to dealing with uh, with Fabiani. So, not a popular man uh, at this meeting tonight. Uh, he'll be the brunt of many of the uh, many of the uh, statements, but uh, you know, it'll depend on on what uh, happens as to whether it even makes a difference, I guess. Uh, as you said, uh, you know, I think that the NFL is just running through the motions. But let's talk about uh, let's talk about some, some scores. And, you know, well, we have it since uh, we're talking about some of the economic downturns and issues. Let's talk about Oakland at San Diego last week. If you want a new stadium, fans want to see a winning product. And, you know, uh, well, the Chargers are really looking to, uh, to turn that uh, team around and have a winning product this year. They struggled. Instead, it was the Raiders who were looking good, moving to three and three with a victory against the Chargers in San Diego, thirty-seven to twenty-nine. You know, Amari Cooper with one hundred and thirty-three yards and five receptions and TD. Latavius Murray also bounced back from his two poor performances, fifteen carries for eighty-five yards. Uh, you could say the bright spot, I guess, for the Chargers in this game was Phillip Rivers with three touchdowns and, uh, and I believe, uh, 385 yards or so passing. Uh, actually, 336, I, I stand corrected there. But three touchdowns followed up, though, there with two interceptions. I believe one of those was a pick six. So, you know, uh, definitely not a, a game that uh, a lot of the fans were picking the, the Raiders to win, but uh, Raider fan was happy to get out of San Diego with a huge victory and to move him into second place in the division. It was uh, a blowout. I mean, the score was a lot closer. <clears throat> I have some personal angst on that whole thing. I happened to be playing somebody that had Philip Rivers as their quarterback 
in fantasy football, and that's not the measurement of how the game went. But, you know, uh, it, at one point, I believe, was it 31 or 37 to, to 6 at one point, and then the Chargers scored three late scores to kind of get back in the game a lot of uh, – not even back in the game, just to make the score respectable. It wasn't even close at halftime. I know that it was uh, 30 plus points to to six, and the San Diego team was flat. Eric Weddle didn't play. Uh, Antonio Gates didn't play. But that's not an excuse. The the San Diego Chargers have something going on. They're just either they're not a good team, which they may not be, but that was a very flat performance against a team they've dominated and at home, and it was the opportunity to start a role going on a five or six game sweep that they thought they could maybe run all of those games. And now they find themselves two wins and five losses and they are not looking good. As a matter of fact, last place in the AFC West because of tiebreakers. So San Diego, you know, I'll uh, tell the you people what, here are up in arms. I'll tell you what's going on with this team later in the uh, show. But uh, in the meantime, let's move on to the other game. You said that San Diego's in last place. Well, that's because of a uh, Kansas City victory, Kansas City at home. And, uh, you know, they really uh, put a number on on the Pittsburgh Steelers, 23-13. to 13. Now, in this game, if you look at the stat sheet, you would think that, the, uh, that, that it would have been a pretty solid game for the uh, Pittsburgh Steelers. You had Antonio Brown going for 124 yards on six receptions, Le'Veon Bell. 121 yards. Uh, Alex Smith, you know, only threw for 251 yards and one TD. But uh, in that, you had Landry Jones with uh, two interceptions and one fumble loss. Turnover is the story of this game. And, uh, you know, the the Chiefs really were uh, helped out by Shikandrick West as well, who really stepped in for the absent, uh, the, the absent running back Jamal Charles. Yeah, it's it's true, and I don't know where that came from because they have laid down at different times in the year, um, and it was a surprise. I mean, I thought that uh, obviously the season is over, but it, it's surprising to see that bounce back there, and that just tells you week to week you never know, and I guess we'll we'll talk more about their matchup this weekend, but yes, it was a good week for, for the uh, Chiefs, and uh, they did get a victory a much-needed victory in Kansas City because, man, they were also gnashing their teeth and ready to just uh, explode there. You know, that they certainly were. Let's talk a little bit about this Kansas City Chiefs team, you know. They're uh, in offense. They're 19th passing, 18th rushing. They're pretty well-rounded when it comes to that. You don't want to be in the uh, in the bottom half. You don't want uh, it would be nice to be in the top half, which they're not. But uh, – Overall, you know, they, they are well-rounded when it comes to that. They were missing Jeremy Macklin last week, and he is expected to be back this week as they have traveled to London for a uh, an early morning game. It'll be really interesting to see what happens uh, with Kansas City with the little uh, travel that they have and also whether or not uh, they can keep, uh, keep this uh, momentum up that they are playing with, with Andy Reid. You know, we talked last week about how long Andy Reid tenure would last uh, with with these losing seasons that, that he's having or not making the playoffs uh, after making it two seasons ago. But, um, you know, they uh, they 
still barely have a little playoff life for a wild card, but uh, but uh, they will need to put some wins together. Yeah, they really will. And and I don't know. I mean, how are they going to do that, Darren? I mean, what is the opportunity? How, how can they make that, that play? I mean, Detroit is a down team. I get that. But after Detroit, where do you go? I think that's the big question. You know, looking at the remainder of their schedule, they really have, an, uh, aside from the division games, an easy road ahead. They have the Broncos and Chargers, yes. But the Bills, who have really shown a lack of character this season under Rex Ryan. The, uh, the Ravens, who also just struggled mightily. Uh, the Browns are another team they have to play. Two games against the Raiders there. And I think that, uh, you know, on paper, this, this uh, Kansas City team is a good matchup against the Raiders due to their – their uh, outstanding defense that's starting to uh, to look uh, halfway decent again. Well, their defense is good, and the one thing I, I wanted to talk about this later on, so we'll get into more details why and how. But this Raider team is is way ahead of schedule. We mentioned them briefly earlier in in the um, season, and I think that a lot of people underestimated them, including myself. I had them picked for around four to six wins, I believe. I'm way off. And I'm, you know, I think at last time we talked, I was ready to flip-flop the Raiders potentially with the Chargers or Chiefs, and I'm definitely ready to do that now. I, I don't believe they're perfect. They have flaws, but they believe in themselves and they're playing much better. And so I, I'm not sure I'm ready to say that the Chiefs even going even going against the Raiders, even though the Chiefs are doing better, that it's a it's a sure win. So we'll we'll debate that a little later on. But I understand what you're saying. The Chiefs have a chance to move up, and and uh, London is a lot of London games, and it's kind of a crazy thing here starting those games so early. Let's talk a little bit about the teams, though, if we can, Darren. I want to get into some of the updates going on. Can you, speaking of the Raiders, let's let's dive into them a little bit. What is going on with the Raiders? Well, you know, the Raiders have, uh, as you said, they've they really started to mature a little bit early. They've already matched their um, they've already matched their win total for last season. So that has been, <clears throat> excuse me, a big uh, a big time uh, surprise for them at three wins and three losses right now. And uh, part of that's due to the maturation of both Derek Carr, a second-year quarterback, who's really been able to to uh, step up, and along with that, the outstanding play of Amari Cooper. You know, he a lot of people questioned whether or not it was uh, it was good of them to to choose that uh, wide receiver with the fifth overall pick. There was that question. I think I myself questioned it, but uh, you know. It seems so far to have really uh, been what they needed. They have a playmaker. And uh, then their defense, you know, uh, they have been able to to finally start getting a little bit healthier. Uh, I believe it's uh, Ellis and uh, uh, Justin Ellis who's going to be back healthy. He returned to practice along with Nico Autry, who was out with concussion. Both of them now are back. And Charles Woodson, who who sat out earlier in the year with that injured uh, shoulder, he uh, he now has started to come on really big for them. And uh, you know, the only person that they really are missing overall on defense is uh, Justin Tuck, who was placed on IR two weeks ago. Yeah, and 
yeah, Tuck is a is kind of a big deal, but with Alden Smith in there, it, it will help out. And uh, what I would say is that Woodson's playing out of his mind at his age. Man, it's incredible. I mean, you've got Peyton Manning on one side and you've got Charles Woodson on the other, and you compare how they're doing. Gosh, it is uh, it is way, way um, light and day on that on those two. So hopefully Peyton Manning can find that fountain of youth like Charles Woodson has because he's balling out of his mind. The Oakland defense it, it is not perfect. There are holes in it, but they played really well against San Diego. They were inspired. They came out to play, and that makes a difference. So I'm excited to see what happens against the New York Jets this week uh, in that in that game. That's going to be a fun game to watch. And I think that uh, we can move on. We we talked a little bit about the Chiefs already, so – uh, while we talked, I just brought the Chargers. Let's talk a little bit about what's going on. We know Antonio Gates missed this last game. We know that Eric Weddle missed the last game. And, um, well, here's the elephant in the room. Melvin Gordon did not get into the game until the third quarter, Darren. And this was their number one draft pick. They they traded up to get this guy. What's going on? Is he a bust? Uh, is he just not getting it? Is he fumble-prone? What do you think the issue is? Well, you know, Mike McCoy has come out and, and, and said that, uh, you know, it's a two-prong issue. First of all, uh, Melvin Gordon missed some practice time last week, and Mike McCoy comes from a, a, a pedigree where if you don't practice on on Wednesday, you don't play on Sunday. Uh, you know, he, he missed part of the practice, and uh, they did end up putting him in. The other part, though, has been his fumbling issues. You can't uh, trust him overall. This season, he's lost three fumbles, uh, one against Green Bay, one against Pittsburgh, which were both very big games that uh, that, uh, that one fumble would have made a world of difference when it came down to it. So, you know, that has been an issue, and, and I think that the other half of that has been that uh, – you know, Danny Woodhead has really kind of moved himself into that number one spot uh, with, with some solid showings, especially uh, against Green Bay. And then this last game, both of the, the Green Bay was throughout the game, but this last game was primarily in the uh, slop, sloppy uh, second half when the uh, fourth quarter, actually, for the most part, where the, where the Chargers scored 23 points, but uh, two of those on, on uh, touchdowns to Woodhead. But, you know, he has found ways to, to make plays, found ways to get open. And uh, Brandon Oliver, you know, he is averaging 3.3 uh, and 3.9 yards per carry over the past two games. So, uh, you know, not a stellar number, but as long as your running back is getting at least 3.5 yards per carry on first and second down, that's, that's a nice uh, chunk of change, puts you in that third and short. And so they've got two guys that can do that and help them. And, uh, you know, why go with Melvin Gordon when you don't trust him? Well, I get the fumbling issue. I, I think there's something deeper. In, and where I'm going with this is that in the press conferences, uh, Mike McCoy, he's, never, he's definitely been more of a John Fox guy that doesn't really give you a straight answer. He's fun to talk to and stuff, but he doesn't just come right out. Whereas – in comparison, some coaches like Gary Kubiak are refreshingly honest and just put it right out there. 
Mike McCoy in his press conference said, you know, no, we weren't keeping Melvin Gordon on the bench to uh, as a disciplinary issue, et cetera, teaching him a lesson. Uh, but we're we're committed to running back by committee. Well, my big beef with that is if you moved up in the first round to pick a running back and you moved up into the uh, 10 through 20 spot to pick a running back, then that running back better play a lot. Otherwise, you've misdrafted, and that's a waste. And so uh, that's my big issue for San Diego. When Gordon did get into the game in the third quarter, by the way, if he had fumbling issues, once you're down – 20-something to three or six, you know, put them in. What's it going to hurt? You're already down. Get a burst and see what happens. The worst is that you're going to end up still losing 37 to six or something like that. Um, when he did get in, he, he rumbled for 11 yards and had a few great, great gains. I'm not sure that his blocking is up to par. That could be an issue. But you're telling me that a little person – I know that's not politically correct, but a little person is the leading running back for San Diego. That's that's their hope. Is that really an NFL-worthy uh, running back? Well, it'll come down to whether or not uh, the Chargers also thought that Doug Flutie was a uh, NFL-worthy quarterback, and he was a little person in that uh, regard. So Chargers have a history of doing that, whether it will whether it'll work for them or not is something that we'll have to wait and see. Let's talk, though, a little bit about the uh, Denver Broncos, this uh, team that has coming off of a bye week. You know, a lot has been said about this offense, 18th passing, 30th in the league rushing, and, uh, you know, yet they're 6-0. and Will the Broncos change the offense after the bye week? I, I think they will, actually. I think there will be some change, and the pistol just hasn't seemed to work. Um, I heard Terrell Davis talking about it, and he said, you know, if I lined up behind the – the one thing that I – and I'm quoting his words, paraphrasing a little bit. One thing I really liked was when I lined up, when the quarterback was under center, I could survey the defense. With the quarterback back in that pistol – the running back doesn't get a real clear look because the running back is generally shorter than the quarterback and can't really see the defense over him very well. He, he thought that was a tough thing. Now, if we look at some of the other teams like Green Bay and um, the, the Patriots, New England, they run a lot out of the shotgun. I wouldn't be surprised if we see a little more shotgun sprinkled in there. And um, I don't know about Peyton's effectiveness. We'll see. Uh, obviously, Denver hopes that he'll be more effective after a bye week, but I do think we'll see a little bit of change. I don't think it'll be a wholesale offensive change, but I do think you'll see more shotgun out of this and running out of the shotgun rather than just the pistol. You know, Tony Dungy came out today and said that he expects to see uh, Peyton Manning more motivated. He hasn't talked to Peyton Manning since the uh, bye week, but uh, he expects to see him more motivated and actually come on stronger in the second half of the, the season. You know that's a uh, big statement. Is that just uh, is that just a uh, fan and friend of Peyton Manning coming to his door, or do you think that uh, do you agree with that statement? I think anybody that is a friend of Peyton Manning would say that, and I I, I don't have any problem with it. I mean, look at anybody that knows Philip Rivers would probably say the same thing about him or uh, Alex Smith. Derek Carr, or, uh, Carr has been here shorter, so he doesn't quite have the resume there. But 
one would think they could sort it out, but yeah, Peyton is dealing with some some issues from his injuries and a declining skill set. So it can't be guaranteed, but I understand why he would say that, and a bye week certainly doesn't hurt. So we'll see what happens. Now, a couple of other things going on. Tyson Brylo will be back, so that's going to change things. And I hear that DeMarcus Ware may be back too. Is that true? You know, DeMarcus Ware, that time off has helped him along with Emmanuel Sanders and uh, and uh, Demarius Thomas, who both have been kind of nursing some little injuries. We didn't really talk about it uh, after the last game before the bye where uh, uh, Demarius Thomas just had some serious cases of the drops, and, and uh, he's looking for a rebound uh, this coming week. So that'll be interesting to watch as well. And another, uh, and another surprise move, it looks like uh, – we may see Ronnie Hillman moving into the number one running back position in Denver. Well, he has definitely run with authority. I don't want to. Uh, I don't want to miss out on some of these picks and stuff. So, let's move on. I, I want to start with the big game on the calendar. You know, normally we push it off sometimes, but the big game on the calendar. This is a big week uh, weekend for Denver. Again, it's the only the fourth time the six and O teams have met. That's Green Bay and Denver. But the big thing in Denver is their owner, Pat Bowen, who is suffering from Alzheimer's, is going to be inducted into the Ring of Honor. Uh, that's a big deal. There are a, a lot of players coming back from the Super Bowl championship teams and other players, including, I hear, ex-coach Mike Shanahan, who has kind of been a MIA around Denver uh, Broncos football for quite a while after that kind of acrimonious departure and firing. Darren, let's talk a little bit about this big weekend. What is going on in Denver, and what do you see happening between Green Bay and Denver? What do we need to watch out for, and what's exciting? You know, uh, this game is going to really be an interesting one. you got a great offense uh, going against a a great defense, and even the the Green Bay Packers have a great defense. However, with this Packers team, they've played four of their games at home as opposed to the only two games that Denver has played at home. Uh, you know, looking at this, it's really going to come down to whether or not Aaron Rodgers uh, is going to to uh, survive against this Denver defense. Can the Denver defense get their rushing attack going with with uh, Demarcus Ware, Von Miller, uh, and we can keep going down the list of, of all the uh, great people that they have. Uh, you know, I think that it's really also going to be something as to whether or not the Broncos can control the ball. Uh, dink and dunk passes much the way that San Diego did. I think they have a great blueprint there. If they go back to the Peyton Manning offense, they can win this game. Uh, that's what uh, the Chargers did. They played the Peyton Manning offense, came within one one drive going into overtime. Denver wins this game by two in a big uh, win at home on a big special night for Mr. B. Okay, well, I have a Similar take on it, but my concern is that unlike San Diego, uh, Peyton Manning hasn't exhibited the ability to hit that long ball, which doesn't open up the offense like it does for San Diego. I'm concerned that the dink and dunk is what they're expecting, and they'll play the dink and dunk, and that makes it tougher. I think this is going to be a grinded-out game. You have the best defense, although not by points, uh, but overall turnovers, etc. in Denver, and you have the best offense. I'm going to say it's a big night in Denver. I'm homing. 
I believe in Denver on this one, and I'm going to say Denver will win this game by three. It's going to be a barn burner, even if there's not a lot of points. Let's go to New York Jets and Oakland, Darren, because Oakland hasn't been high on our list for a while. It's time after several years that they're in the spotlight. What's going to happen with this Todd Bowles team versus the Jack Del Rio team? You know, Oakland's going to be at home, potentially in the rain. So this is something that uh, I think you're going to see a lot of Latavius Murray, a lot of Chris Ivory. Uh, that being said, you know, this uh, this Jets team is a team that uh, Rex Ryan never could put together on defense, much like uh, he wanted to. This has taken his blueprint and one up to him. You know, I'm going to have to say I'm taking New York in this. I just think that their defense combined with a running game and a wet and sloshy uh, Oakland uh, that, to me, gives the edge to the the uh, New York Jets by four. Well, they're playing great defense. I'll give you that. But I'm be- I'm a believer. So I'm going to go against you. I'm going to flip that on you. And I'm going to say that Oakland's at home. They're coming off a big win. They believe in themselves. They're fairly healthy. And they're playing well. Uh, I'm, I'm seeing that this, this defense is righting some of its problems. It still can't. While it can stop the pass, uh, not not as well as some defenses, it it is getting better. Uh, Philip Rivers had a few miscues and stuff this last week, but the offense is moving the ball. I'm going to say that it's going to be Oakland by five. I'm stepping out against you. I know we're coming up against the bumper, so we got two more picks to come up in the overtime. Darren, anything you want to say before we get the bumper there? Well, Daryl's got Oakland and Denver. Darren has New York Jets and Denver. So we'll have to uh, get this sorted out after the break. Hit us up at AFC West Show with your picks throughout the week. And uh, as always, uh, also tune in on iTunes, catch the back episodes, and we'd love to uh, to hear from you there. iTunes and Blog Talk Radio. You know, Daryl, we were making our picks there. We uh, we had a little disagreement on the uh, New York Jets at Oakland. Let's talk a little bit uh, about uh, the Detroit at Kansas City, an early morning game. Wow, we're flipping out to London, and uh, is this one going to be streamed on Yahoo? I've got to ask. You know, uh, Yahoo had their biggest rating for a game, first one ever. It was Streamed worldwide uh, uh, every once in a while. You know, I had to, uh, to had to wait for the old dial-up to to tone me back in, but uh, but I was able to uh, watch bits and pieces of it from London without too many uh, issues overall. Uh, this one, I believe, it's going to be actually on Fox, if I if I recall correctly. But uh, certainly was an experiment and. Uh, a lot of people around the world who would not get to see uh, football games were able to uh, to uh, see it, whether it be in Africa, or China, you name it, uh, across the globe. 
You know, that that's interesting that you actually had pictures. I, I'm I'm guessing they weren't moving it on dial up. I figured on dial up uh, and, and on that technology you probably had like a text little uh thing scrolling across the screen telling you what was going on. So it reminds me of those old early time computer games where you were doing an adventure and it was all text based and you had to figure it I out. Was gonna, I was going to say it's a cross between uh, Tank and Tech Mobile there with what, but uh, you know, yeah, there you go. Yeah, you know, I would like to say Detroit can figure it out and move on. They, they. I, I just have nothing to back that up. I, they did get a, an overtime win, and, uh, <laughs> well, they got a win. Let's just put it that way. Uh, they're in disarray, and I don't know what it is, to be honest. I, I haven't followed them that closely. I watched the Denver game against them. I've seen a couple of others. Full disclosure, my wife is actually a, a, a Michigan uh, Michigan. Uh, uh, patriot uh, expat, I guess you could say. So I kind of follow that a little bit, but I, I can't figure out why they're they're struggling so mightily. They do have deficiencies, but they have some key players that should play well. Um, I'm I'm just saying in this game, though, based on everything that I've seen, I don't have a lot of faith in either team, but I do have a little more faith, I guess, in Kansas City than I do in uh, Detroit putting it all together. So I'm going to have to go out and say Kansas City by two, and that's not a ringing endorsement. You know, uh, one and six against two and five. As you said, it's not a a, a great uh, a, a great one. Uh, the one victory though that uh, the that the Alliance do have is a road victory. So maybe this will be the. Uh, the, the tipping point game for them. I'll tell you though what I see in watching. I've, I've paid a little attention in some of the games, and I try and go back and watch uh, numerous games with the good old NFL pass. And, uh, you know, the issue I see is that uh, Matt Stafford is the same quarterback now that he was five years ago when he came into the league. There's been no maturation on his part. He's often injured. He, uh, he doesn't make the wisest decisions. He's got a very slow release. If you watch his, his release, he he just takes time, and, and I think sometimes that's too much time that, that he takes and ends up taking bad sacks or uh, sometimes taking too much time and then forces a throw in that shouldn't be made. A veteran quarterback knows to throw those balls out of bounds and, and not to give up those kind of – he has never done that. That being said, the Lions average 19.9 points per game. Uh, Kansas City 21.4. The defense allows 28.6 for the Lions. Uh, for Kansas City, 24.6. You know what? This game on paper and in my mind comes down to Kansas City winning by three points. Well, we're not far off. Uh, two and three points, I think we both agree. And it's a, it's a matchup against bottom feeders. And so I agree with some yeah. of what you're saying about Matthew Stafford. I think the other part is, though, for quite a while, and maybe this is a problem in his maturation, for quite a while, his only weapon was um, Megatron, and so it would throw it up to Megatron, etc. cetera. Uh, they've lost some defensive weapons and had some injuries as well, but you're right. He's not quite making some of the throws he needs to. Sometimes he holds onto the ball too long, but then again, that's not a bad thing because uh, Aaron Rodgers and also Ben Roethlisberger hold onto the ball 
they'll take some sacks trying to wait out that time and make the big play. I'm not comparing him to Aaron Rodgers, not saying he's on that level yet, but he has a lot of talent. You're right. People have been talking about that. They're a little disappointed in his performance and what's going on. So I think we kind of agree on that. Let's move on to the last game. That would be San Diego versus Baltimore, early morning game, San Diego traveling to Baltimore. Baltimore is devastated by injuries. They've lost Terrell Suggs. Is Doomerville playing in this game? I know he missed uh, one of the last games and and has had some injury issues. The pass rush is kind of devastated there. You know, uh, from uh, the latest I've seen, let me uh, just uh, tell you this, that uh, Doomerville should be playing. Uh, you know, the latest injury list reads along the lines of Ladarius Webb, uh, Darren Walker's out on IR. And uh, and along with that, uh, then you do have Max Williams tight end that's questionable with Ladarius Webb uh, probable. So that would be their uh, injury report. Chargers, Orlando Franklin, Antonio Gates, Eric Weddle, Manti Teo, Denzel Perryman, and the list continues for them. Another team that's uh, decimated by injuries. And I told you that I would tell you what is wrong with this San Diego Charger team. So when you are ready, you don't need to ask. No, I'm asking. What's wrong, Darren? I mean, tell me what's wrong. Are they is you know, it because gonna, they're moving? Is that the issue? No, I'm going to stick with it. It's this one uh, one person. His name's Mike McCoy. You know, uh, he just does not uh, have what it takes to get a team motivated for the games that they they need. He he can get them close, and that was his one knock in in Denver as well. He would take the team to that uh, that game. He would get them right up to the pinnacle. But then when it came time to win the big game, they couldn't. Happened, we saw it against Pittsburgh. It happened as we saw against uh, uh, against uh, Green Bay. You know, he, he plays up against these tough teams, but does he have the uh, the nerve and the gumption to to uh, call the play that needs to be done to win the game? He just doesn't. He he follows that uh, conservative. Oh gee, gosh darn shucks! Let's try this and hope it happens. Run on first and second down. Run on first and third down. Uh, you know, try to get in. If we don't, well, then we'll just have one fourth down to try and score. We saw that in Green Bay, and it didn't work. Uh, that being said, this game's on the East Coast. It's a team that they should be uh, a one-win uh, Baltimore team, I believe, uh, if I am correct. One and six, and they're zero and two at home. Uh, you know. But the Chargers are 0-3 away, so what do we have? We have a game where I think San Diego, they should win this one. Uh, expect Baltimore to win by one instead. Wow, you're pretty blistering on that. I, I think that we've heard that from you before. You're not a, a disciple of Mike McCoy, and I don't know where that comes from from Denver because he was only the offensive coordinator. He had John Fox ahead of him and had been hooked at the hip with John Fox. Um, I don't know that we can really say that Mike McCoy exhibited that tendency in Denver because whatever he said, eventually it could have been vetoed by John Fox. So I think that's a little harsh, but what I would say, and I, I understand I'm hearing you loud and clear here in San Diego, the the fans are really tired of the fourth and less than one and not going for it. There's been several instances when it's been over the 50-yard line where it's been fourth and less than one and he hasn't gone for it. And they're like, uh, very, well, they're clamoring for them for him to, you know, give a little bit of character to your team, make that 
emphasis about what we are and who uh, make a statement. And and that is something that I, I will agree with you. Um, it would surprise me if Frank Reich may have some of the play calling removed from him. He's not one of Mike McCoy's guys. He came with Ken Wisenhunt from Arizona. So we'll see if there's some changes there. Mike McCoy is definitely on the hot seat. He's in the third year of a four-year deal. Coaches don't tend to go into the fourth year as a lame duck. And uh, it wouldn't surprise me if he gets fired if they don't turn this around. However, however, there are some big injuries. We know that Eric Whittle probably will not play. It doesn't look, as far as I know, unless you've heard something else, Darren, it doesn't look like Antonio Gates will play either. And if you're really believing that Eric Weddle is going – or not Eric Weddle, excuse me, that uh, Danny Woodhead is going to be your lead running back, I, I – look, at, I like the undersized guy, you know, despite my little jibe about him being a little little person. Uh, he, he's a, a dynamo, but he is no Reggie Bush, and he's certainly no Darren Sproles. But he does work hard, so – They've got to figure a way out for Philip Rivers to be more accurate. And the defense, let's put some some real pressure where it lies. That defense is pretty pathetic, Darren. What, I mean, what can they do to, to bolster that defense to even have a shot of, of stopping the run? You know, it's uh, definitely going to take some work, but that's what happens when you have an undersized uh, linebacker like you do in Manti Teo leading that uh, center of the defense. Well, he's been out. He's been out quite a bit, and you had uh, Kevin Butler replaced at times by Denzel Perryman, another undersized guy. Sean Lismore, there, there. I believe he's the nose tackle there, another undersized guy. This is a defense that's undersized, and they chose to pick players they drafted. Again, I'm going back to my statement before. They drafted a running back, and they moved up to pick him in, in the first top ten. What was he? Number twelve, number fourteen. And they neglected that defensive line that they knew they had problems with, and now it's coming home to roost. And so I think that this is a, a disastrous season in the making. If they don't, if, if San Diego doesn't turn it around here, this is going to be uh, just a really brutal season. So let's get into our picks and, and talk a little bit about the matchup. Darren, is there any way that Justin Forsett is contained? Is there any way that uh, Philip Rivers? is contained against this um, Baltimore Ravens defense, uh, the secondary. You know, as I said, this uh, this game, I, it's a game Chargers should win, but I picked the uh, Baltimore Ravens to win by one. Justin Forsett, you know, watch for him to, to get some yards. I don't think that they can. They've allowed rushing yards against them. Uh, you know, they currently also, uh, you know, want to get their running game going. But we saw what happened when uh, when the Broncos played this team earlier in the the season, and uh, you know currently uh, Baltimore is allowing 300 passing yards per game. So uh, will they get their passing going? I, I think you can expect for some some points for for Philip Rivers, but I do expect some uh, I do expect them to have a tough time running the ball, and I still am going to stick with the Ravens winning by one. Yeah, this is a game that it, if it would happened early in the year without all of the baggage for both teams, I would have picked the Chargers to be able to win this, which is quite a task to go back to Baltimore and win because traditionally Baltimore is very tough at home. 
they're both struggling. And I think at this point it's going to be – I really think it's Baltimore winning this game. And you're right, I think that San Diego will find some passing lanes and, and pass for a bit. I don't think that uh, San Diego will, will be very effective at stopping the run. And th- what I think is going to be a very interesting thing is – whether or not San Diego can bolster its passing defense, because the Ravens have not been extremely efficient overall passing, but this uh, San Diego defense without Weddle is very suspect, and furthermore, Brandon Flowers is not playing very well, and they spent a lot of money on him in the offseason as a free agent, uh, uh, renewing his contract, and, and he's just not playing well. Now, the other thing, and I don't wish him any will, ill will, but Jason Verrett, it'll be interesting to see how durable he is because he traditionally has been a little undersized and not held up. Been playing well, but Flowers has been a, a just a, a sinking ship over there on the other side. And is it Robinson that's been filling in for Weddle? He, he hasn't been playing that well either, at least not at Weddle speed. So, I'm going to go with Baltimore by, uh, I would say, four points, a little more than just a field goal. All right. Well, there you have it. So, uh, overall, our picks are are looking about the same with the exception of an Oakland game. You know, it'll be a, a great uh, a great weekend. Don't forget to uh, to set your clocks back 